Everyone has a story. I get them to tell it. Welcome to the Aaron Bender Podcast, conversations with media personalities about their personal and professional lives and journeys. Ladies and gentlemen, we have reached 20,000 downloads and views. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Give yourselves a round of applause. Really appreciate all the help. Whether you're watching on DBNA TV at dbnatelevision.tv, nightly 11 p.m. Pacific or 2 a.m. Eastern, or streaming with the DBNA TV app on Amazon Fire, Roku, and Apple TV, or listening on your favorite platform, really appreciate all the support. Before we get to my conversation with Kirk Hawkins, a little about my story. I'm a widowed dad of two girls who just lost their mom, a grieving husband, a man in recovery trying to reconnect with the world with fresh eyes, faith, and perspective, a college journalism professor, a white guy in a world of injustice, a 20-year broadcast media veteran who had his dream job and then lost it. A year and a half ago, God gave me a gift, an opportunity to stop, step back, and breathe so I can learn about love, vulnerability, forgiveness, grace, self-care, patience, and understanding. Kirk Hawkins is the utility guy at KTLA, reporting, anchoring, weather, traffic, you name it, he wears that hat, including real estate agent. Where in Southern California are you from? I am from here in the Los Angeles area. I'm from um, uh, Agoura Hills. Oh, okay. Oh, so so you and did you and Alex run into each other uh, at yes. any point? Yeah, and um, Alex, because Alex now is at ABC News, right? Uh, no, no, uh, Alex is over at- uh, Oh, uh, Alex, Alex, Alex Michelson. Yes, 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 yes. We went to the same high school. Um, he graduated after me. I, I think I'm two or three years older. Okay. So okay. he he actually knew my sister really well. They were on student council together. So it's like one big, That's cool. small That's world. Cool. It's crazy. That's cool. How yeah. do you still have family there? Is 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 your family there? How were you impacted? I know we're a couple of years removed. How were you impacted by the fires as well as the borderline bar and grill shooting? Yes. Well, okay. So the fires, my mom still lives in Westlake Village and she came and stayed with me in my spare bedroom as all that was going on. She was fine. Okay. So she, she lives in a nice community that's kind of in the middle of, you know, multiple subdivisions and track homes, but it was obviously a very uh, scary close call for her. And then my, uh, let's see, the borderline bar and grill shooting really hit close to home. I didn't, there was a woman from our church that, that the church that I grew up going to that was affected and, and tragically lost your life. And then there was, um, but I didn't know personally, yeah. but I remember growing up and spending a lot of time at the borderline bar and grill. And it was really sad, horrible to experience that. Cause you know, it was one of the few places where you could go if you were under 21 mm -hmm. and have a kind of nightclub experience. And so it was really horrible and really sad, the, the whole thing, too. Uh, <laughs> oh, hold on. No, there's some audio stuff going on. Okay, well, on I think we're end? good now. I think Sorry. we're good now. So okay. I, I wanted to ask about where in Southern California you're from. I, I know you you are a SoCal guy, but you you kind of give off this Midwestern charm. I, I, don't know, <laughs> do you, I, I don't know if I'm the only one who either thinks that or says that, but where do you, where do you think that comes from? Or is that kind of that Thousand Oaks, Agoura Hills, Westlake Village vibe. <laughs> I, well, I'm honored that you think that. Uh, you know, okay, so if I'm really giving you a deep dive, I was born in Santa Monica, 
lived in like Burbank area uh, for a very short time as a child. Brentwood and then Burbank, very short times. And then Calabasas, then Agora. Then I went to um, college in Santa Barbara. Yeah. And then as part of the News Across America tour, maybe that's where I got it. Because my my first job outside outside of high school, outside of college, I should say, was at a station in Spokane, Washington. And uh, maybe KXLY. That's KXLY, yes. And uh, maybe that's part of it. And I do feel... I do feel a, a kinship to that part of the country after that experience. And it was such an amazing period of time where, uh, you know, cause being from Southern California, I learned a lot about myself, kind of about the world around me. It's drastically different. The lifestyle, you know, you have four seasons and everything. And so maybe that's what shaped me, yeah. but I'm on Cause I guess that's, that's, and my, you know, maybe also my, um, my dad is from the suburbs of Northern California and the East Bay of San Francisco. And then my mom is from Michigan originally, and we still have some relatives in Minnesota. And so maybe that's part of it too, but aw shucks, golly gee. <laughs> <laughs> let me, let me ask you all, all just a technical thing. If you could turn me down on your end, I think that might be uh, causing maybe some of the feedback. Yeah. How do I, how do I do that? I have no idea. No, no, just the regular <laughs> volume. Just like the regular volume. Oh, 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 I see, I see, I see. It might be, okay. it might just might be too hot. And I'm leaving all of this in because it's all part of the conversation. It's all part of the game. It's fine. No worries. How is that? But is I, that I think it al- it's already better. I think it's already okay. better. Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate that. So the, and, and the, um, so you've got Spokane and let me let me know if I've got either this order right or if I'm forgetting one of the stations. Because like you said, this News Across America tour. So at KCOY in Santa Barbara, was that during school? That was during college, yeah. Okay. I was very fortunate my sophomore and junior, uh, I'm sorry, junior and senior year to work there. And then KXLY in Spokane, WFTV in Florida. Back to LA, KCBS at KCAL 9. Yeah. And then left LA, which is odd going to WCCB in Charlotte only yeah. to come back to KTLA or come back to LA to work at KTLA. That was what, 2014, give or take. Am yes. I missing anything? No, you nailed it. Cause there are a few people I talk with on the podcast who they've got two or three markets under their belt and then it's LA and they stay, or it's whatever major market they're in at that time. And yeah. Kirk is like, nah, no, I'm going half dozen, buddy. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> You know, it was interesting. I thought that I wanted to see what it was like to a, you know, be a full time anchor, and then b, uh, I felt like I wanted to experience one more part of the country. Okay. And Charlotte, Charleston, Savannah, the Outer Banks, that whole area is just so beautiful and so amazing. And uh, it was a, it was a good adventure. But I think ultimately, I'll never forget. In fact, I came back. Maybe it was the first, the first. Uh, summer or the second summer and actually do you remember when the shuttle came back to la i, I remember yeah. i don't remember the year but i remember, I remember it coming the year. back. yes literally like we landed at the airport and that was happening and i was like i gotta get back and <laughs> did a whole vacation where I went from palm springs to santa barbara to northern california went to some wine country stuff and i just remember thinking gosh i miss it so much and yeah. so 
when I was done, I, when, when I had the availability to come back, I was like, I got to come back. Plus, um, I worked with Jason Ball at CBS. He hired me. My first day was his last day at CBS. And I kept in touch with him. And I always was watching what was happening at KTLA, yeah. even yeah. especially when I was in North Carolina. And I just was, you know, thinking, gosh, I think I've made the worst decision in my life by not embracing the opportunity to come and work with them at KTLA. And so toward the tail end of my time in North Carolina, and I um, started, re I, I was begging and begging and ultimately he relented. And so that that's how that kind of came together. And of course, Jason's run at KTLA just ended in the last, what, six months or so, six months to a yeah. year. And yeah. uh, he's now running, um, was it, is it a bed and breakfast or some sort of I hotel know. in Palm Springs? I have been so busy. Yes, a hotel, I believe. Yes. I've been so busy. I feel horrible. I haven't had a chance to uh, go and visit him and actually see it in action. But it seems like the dream retirement program. Oh, totally. And so, yeah, yeah. Where did your wanting to be a storyteller, where did that come from? And is, is that something where you look back and you're like, oh, okay, now I'm connecting the dots. When I was four or five or eight, there's these home videos of me doing this. Or was it something that just was always part of the plan? I'll never forget watching the Gulf War unfolding. And in fact, I remember the Gulf War. I remember uh, the Anita Hill hearings. Yeah. And I think, you know, every major Olympics, all of the major news events thinking, I want to be a part of that in some way. And my parents are former journalists. My dad worked at U.S. News and World Report magazine as the bureau chief here in L.A., my mom was an editor for the LA Times. And so I had, as they say, ink in my blood. Yeah. But I think I also was fascinated by television and film. And growing up in Agora Hills and Calabasas even, we were used to periodically running into film sets. And that always kind of fascinated me. And I, uh, I never really crystallized it. And this is maybe the cheesiest story of all stories. Maybe this adds to my Midwestern vibes, but I remember seeing uh, Up Close and Personal with Michelle Pfeiffer yes. and yes. Robert Redford. And I was like, that's what it is. That's, you know, what it's like in a way. I mean, obviously a, a, a syrupy version of the business. And I was like, that's going to be it. And I think that's what I want to chase after. And so you could ask people that I went to high school with in college where I was like very much a one track mind. In fact, I interned at KABC Channel 7 the summer between my freshman and sophomore year. I, I, was, I tried to get in the mix as soon as I possibly could to kind of chase after it. And so that's kind of where things, where things came together. So, yeah. Do you feel like, and you, you mentioned up close and personal, it's a very syrupy version of real life, but yeah. has the career, has your experience lived up to some of your expectations? <laughs> uh, you know, in a lot of ways, I also read a book about breaking into television early on, and that prepared me for the whole start small and work your way up phenomenon. And I think that it did. I don't think, you know, it's not as meteoric as it was in that film, but um, it's, it's in a way, it's exactly what I thought. In other ways, it's, uh, you know, there, there's obviously pros and cons, but at the end of the day, it's it's, you know, quite the adventure and 
I'm so grateful that I've, you know, had all of these amazing opportunities along the way too. Tell me about small market life, Spokane. Uh, yeah. Where's well, WFTV? Where's in Florida? WFTV is in Orlando. In Orlando. Okay. So not, yeah. not such a small market. Um, not, yeah. But none, nonetheless, you know, it, um, well, it, I would imagine I a reporter anchor salary in Orlando is. Eh. Yeah. No, no. And in fact, like Orlando was like hitting the big time because I felt like I, I had done pretty well, you know, with the, the situation that I had there. But I, um, I mean, I, so I, I, I had an internship in Montana, Missoula, Montana, What my <laughs> soft, the, the summer bef- between my sophomore and junior year. And I, they let the interns do stories. So I used that reel that I made to um, pitch to KCOY and actually a fraternity brother of mine uh, told me about the opportunity because he was working as a reporter at the station at the time. And um, that got me in as a weekend reporter. And then I kind of, I, I, that was part of my small market experience in that I would work weekends and I filled in all over the place uh, during that, as I was like ramping up in that position. And then I felt like I had to experience, you know, you know, I kept wanting to move up. And so I, I had to experience that mid-market type experience with a trip to Spokane. And that was like my real small market experience. And that was, but, but it was a sizable mid-sized city and it was culture shock in a lot of ways because they had uh, four seasons. I had to drive in the snow. I, uh, you know, and I remember like what the first, maybe the second year, the first year was fairly mild, but the second year it started snowing right around Halloween and didn't really stop until Memorial day. And as this SoCal kid, I was like, what am I doing? And it's funny because I think back to that period. I remember when I was in Charlotte and it snowed a little bit for like three days. And I was like, I'm done. I can't do this ever again. And for whatever reason in Spokane, I, I, I survived three winters that were like lengthy, intense. You know, at a certain point, there, the weather was like a few degrees below zero. And I, uh, for whatever reason, made it work. But it was you know, it's, there's uh, everyone in media kind of, um, you, you kind of ingratiate yourself with, and you become friends with people at all the other stations. And we're all young. It's kind of like grad school. It's a super fun, exciting experience. And it, I, I just remember, I remember that period of time so fondly. And I think, you know, growing up in LA in the suburbs of LA, of course, you know, already very um, privileged in a way it, to see kind of how other people live that are not that they were weren't as fortunate, but it's a different lifestyle. And it really made me a better person. And I'm like, so grateful, because I, in terms of who I am, I I learned a lot about who I was there, I learned a lot about, um, you know, the world around me. And it was just such like a great time for personal growth. And so all of that is why, like, I feel so fondly about Spokane. And we talk in the last year or two, especially, uh, very openly and freely, and and I I love it. The idea of yes, there there has been privilege. There there has yeah. been, uh, you know, a healthy amount for many people, for for myself, for you, uh, in in going through this world. That doesn't invalidate hard work and 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 effort and ambition. But at what point did you? At what point did did that become clear to you that say okay, you know what that I I have led a privileged, a privileged life, or at least there has been a, 
an amount of privilege in my life. And this is now going to not, not, uh, I don't want to say color my reporting because I feel like that might be, but, but it, it, it helps inform your reporting. It helps, mm-hmm. uh, embolden and empower your reporting. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting, you know, reading Anderson Cooper's memoir talks about, he talks about how, uh, he had to experience, he had experienced a lot of tragedy in his life and he almost had to experience tragedy in the life of, you know, some of these people he's covering in war zones and how that, you know, kind of informed and, and satisfied him in a way. And I'm not saying anything like that, but I think, um, you know, you know, for this, in this, in, in this journalism world, you, you interview and you meet these people that come from a range of backgrounds. I mean, whether it's celebrities, politicians, entertainers, you know, but, and then regular people in these extraordinary situations that, you know, aren't as fortunate and it does, you know, it, it does leave an impact on you and it does, um, it, it, it does inspire you and it helps you grow in a lot of ways too. And, um, and so I think that's, that's probably like the way the impact that I had it. And, and, you know, coming from Agora Hills, I came from, you know, my high school class. I remember our number one complaint was that there's nothing to do out here in the burbs. You know, now that I live, you know, now that I work and live in Los Angeles, I'm like, you know, you know the world is our oyster. And it was only 20 minutes away back then before traffic got really out of control. Right. And right. so um, the so so basically I, I it, it's just so funny how that, you know, obviously that perspective has changed and. I don't think I would have had it any other way than going through that experience too. Do, do you think if you were at UCSB right now, do you feel like you would have taken the same type of path where you go to three or four or five different markets or because the world is so much smaller now with social media, with YouTube, with Instagram and TikTok and all these different platforms where you can showcase your work. Do you feel like your path might've changed a little bit? Well, and you know, it's interesting because I, when I talk to kids, you know, college kids trying to figure out what they want to do and if this is the business they want to get into, you know, I talk a lot about how, and, and what is your thing? What is it that you're interested in? Is it vegan cooking? Is it working out at CrossFit? Is it you like crafting or you like cook or, or, or you like cooking baked goods or something like that? Right. I, um, I always ask that because, you know, now it's all about branding and we, everyone laughed at Kim Kardashian when she talked about her brand. And that was before this became like the big thing. In fact, I went, I I went to New York before I came back to LA and met with all of the networks and several of their talent recruiter representatives said stuff to me like, well, what is your thing? And I was like, what are you talking about? I mean, (laughs) I cover breaking news, you know, I can do investigative stuff. I can do, uh, you know, feature I, you know, all of this sort of thing. And they were like, no, no, no. What is your like thing? And at the time I didn't really have an answer. And I, I had to like really kind of deep dive and think about it. And that's kind of the world that we're in now when we tell kids and you're right. If I was at UCSB kind of embarking on a new in a new era and a new space, is this the direction I would have gone? I mean, granted, you know, maybe I would have had a different perspective. I don't know. And you know, what's interesting um, one of the key founders of Lyft went to UCSB and was there around the same time I was. 
And I'm like, if I wasn't so, didn't have such tunnel vision about like, this is the job I want to get into, I would have been surrounded by a little bit more tech interest. And so, I mean, obviously I wouldn't have it any other way, but I wonder if maybe like with a little bit more of an open mind and knowing where this whole crazy internet thing was going to go, like what, how that would have ended up. And so, Is that one reason uh, that you have gotten into real estate? Not necessarily like, hey, I need a thing. What can be my thing? But also kind of just planting that seed. Like, you know what? It's okay to have a thing. I don't need to necessarily be news Kirk all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And actually that was a, that was a big thing. That was, I I did come back from that trip and I was really, I, I was really thinking a lot. I, and you know, in, in, journalism, we think a lot of times, you know, if this is, if this is what I'm doing, if this is what uh, my path is, and for some reason that it doesn't work out this way, what else would I do? And we think of PR, we think of advertising, we think of things in marketing, maybe. And I just was really trying to think beyond that, what's something that could be a passion in a way, but also could be a sustainable career. And I've always loved real estate. I've loved, uh, and, and there's aspects of it where I love the investing and the cash flow part of it. I like watching the flipping shows on HGTV. I like the fact that, you know, there's the interior design and the architecture aspect. And then I also like the fact that, you know, you buy this thing and it can be, it can provide you money for your portfolio down the line and how that can have, have a factor. There was, there were many aspects of my life where I didn't think that I'd ever be able to own real estate. Granted, I have a whole separate sidebar on, you know, my own real estate path and, and buy, trying to find something to buy. But uh, I, I never thought that I'd actually be able to own anything. And now after helping people and going through this process, I know that I, you know, I, it's, it's real and it's something that can happen. And for whatever reason, I had these limitations but um, I, I, I think one of the reasons I got into journalism was to be able to ultimately help people. And that was kind of an overarching why. And I think with real estate, what I love is in a tangible way, I can guide people through this really intimidating process. And, and we all kind of benefit in the end together too. And so it's, it's really satisfying on, on, on a different level. What are you most proud of? Your Murrow Awards and other journalism awards or being named like one of the top realtors in Italy? I mean, <laughs> like what, what, Italy, what goes on your mantle? I have yet to, I have yet to work out. I have, it's funny that you mentioned that. I have that listing in Italy and I have yet to, to find anyone for that yet, but I'm still trying. But no, I think, you know, life is a series of chapters and I think, I'm I, I'm just so grateful and happy to have had all of these amazing experiences, and you know the Murrows early on in my career, and then the continuing with the real estate awards, they're great and amazing. And you know who who doesn't like you know when you get people to come on this podcast, who doesn't like to talk about themselves, and who doesn't like to you know be recognized for something? And uh, I'm definitely happy about all of the above too. Maybe one day I'll add an Emmy to the mix or nice. something. Nice. Yeah. Now, what would what would you say were some similarities and some some stark stark differences getting into news versus getting into real estate? Like those first few years of each. You know what's really interesting is we talk about how news 
and the news schedule is around the clock and the hours are tough and you work weekends, nights, holidays, et cetera, that barely scrapes the surface for the lifestyle of real estate. Real estate is 24 seven. It's late nights, early mornings, weekends. There's blood, sweat, tears. There's a high emotion. And so real news was a great preparation for that because I feel like I'm more adaptable. And even now, you know, in real estate, you, you kind of work every day and you make your own schedule in a way, but you also, I, I, I think it, I, because of real estate, I can now work 12 days in a row and I don't even think about it. And oh. it's just, it's built up this um, resilience, I think, and this stamina that I, I didn't even think that I had too. But, but that's also at a time when we're emphasizing and empowering self-care. So yeah. do you, how do you make sure that, okay, yes, I, I, I've just worked 12 days. Maybe it doesn't feel like 12 days because you're working your passions, but still, yeah. how do you make sure that you, you pull back, you step back? No, and you're right. It's so important, you know, and I think even just this week, I've actually started, and, and this sounds very LA in a way, but I've, I've started working with a trainer and a nutritionist and making, you know, trying to set the time. You know, I think the biggest thing for me is learning to say no. And, def- and standing up for yourself. And uh, that's that's been a, an entirely different process. But I think, you know, the, in fact, I've been, I've been working the later morning shift this week and I've made the point of running on the treadmill a little bit before each one, mm-hmm. each, I, before I get really get ready. And that's been such a huge, you know, great way to like feel better. And and to start the day kind of, you know, taking the offense. And, you know, a lot of prominent real estate agents will do things like that where, where they'll hold on to their personal time. And I definitely could be a little bit better at that, but I think you're right. It's it's important to take the time and just rest. And, you know, I interact with so many people all day long. Sometimes I just want to sit and um, sit on the couch and like, you know, throw on Netflix and vegetate for a while. Cause like, it's usually like, go, 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 but you're right. Like you always have to work, you work on spending time with your spending time, you know, caring for yourself. And I, you know, was really fortunate in a way in that my life didn't really change that much during COVID. I was still out doing, I work with a developer and I look for acquisitions. And so when I wasn't doing work in that respect, I was, I was uh, doing TV stuff. And, but I think the, there were moments of solitude that where I like really had a chance to think about, you know, how I want to show up in the world and what I want to bring to the table and, and, you know, standing up for myself and, and, and standing up for myself is only like, you know, I'm not going to go out tonight because I have to and meet you guys for dinner because I have to go and, you know, make sure to get a workout in, or I just want to go to bed a little bit earlier. And that's, those are as, as silly as it sounds, those are lessons that I need to learn a little bit more. Not going to let you slide past that sidebar about your real estate path and finding, (laughs) finding something for yourself. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So I've gone back and forth. In fact, it's so fun when I show up at KTLA, especially during the mornings, because everyone has questions. And they'll want to know what's going on with the market, what they should do about, you know, if they need to renovate, how should they renovate the property? Where should they buy a second property? 
and that sort of thing. And so I'm constantly bombarded. And so I've also gone through this process where, uh, you know, at first I thought I wanted to buy a duplex triplex type situation. And then because the, you know, a lot of things have changed with the eviction moratoriums that became, you know, there was a question about maybe investing in one of those. And so I've been kind of waiting, but now I have this idea about, you know, buying a single family home somewhere nearby. And, you know, I've also gone back and forth on the neighborhoods and I'm like the worst client ever because I'm like way too precious about where is it going to be? What are the neighborhoods? You know, there's so many amazing neighborhoods in LA and you have so many choices, especially with some of these neighborhoods that are kind of emerging in parts of the city. And it, it, I, I have preferred areas that I like, and then I have other areas that I know where they're good investments. And it was this like back and forth, you know, between all of that. And so like my dream, for example, which, you know, is not happening anytime soon, but you never know, I'll just throw it out there. But I love Truesdale Estates in Beverly Hills, for example. And I mean, granted, those houses are in the ballpark of seven to 25 million and beyond, but they are, you know, you get these cool mid-century vibes they're one level, they have views, and they're conveniently located in a really nice area too. So that's like, that's kind of my, my dream house. And, uh, and so, you know, you have the dream house, you have the investment property idea. And what actually, like one of the other things that really got me fired up about real estate is the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And he talks about cash flow and financial freedom. And that was a really big drive. That's a big driver into what I'm looking for. And so I am looking, the numbers are really, you know, every property that I look at, I have to run numbers and see if it works for me. But that's, that whole process is underway. And I'm hoping that I'll find, you know, I just put an offer on something a couple of weeks ago. It didn't work out, but um, I'm still I'm, I'm getting closer to something, hopefully before the end of the year. It's okay, Kirk. It's not the end of the world. There will be other properties. Let me, let me help yes. talk you down. Let <laughs> me help. Uh, yes. So, uh, so how many listings do you currently have now? So right now I have, let's see, I have two listings and then two in escrow. Okay. Oh, congrats. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. I've actually, the market has been so hot that I've been just kind of sliding everything into escrow and closing the escrow. It's crazy. So I, I get cold. I still get cold calls from real estate agents. Do you want to sell? Do you want to sell? Because in oh, my yeah. neighborhood, there is only one uh, property on the market. As of last week, I talked with a local real estate agent. In all of the Santa Clarita Valley, there are only 245 properties uh, listed. Which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. There's some neighborhoods that would be in that ballpark that would have that many listings and maybe have 15 to 20 right now. Right. And, and so it's just incredible. In fact, there's a, a, I'm trying to think of who told me this story. It might've been one of my KTLA coworkers, if I, if I remember correctly, but some guy, an agent literally pulled her over and said, rolled his window down and was like, hey, do you know anyone that's interested in selling? <laughs> Because he was like right in the street and in the neighborhood. And so people people are like, des- you know, interest rates are so low. Yeah. The inventory is so low. It's this like perfect storm of activity. And I would sell. I, t- I, I, I tell every agent I would sell if I wasn't then going to pay top dollar for the next place. Right. And that's the hardest part is, you know, you sell for top dollar 
And then you become a buyer fighting with everyone else. Yes. And so unless you are ready to kind of hunker down in a lease or you have a secondary property or some sort of arrangement, you're in a very difficult place to do this. Not to mention, I feel blessed, by the way, that we we did a refi in December, I think it was, January, two and a half percent. Wow. That's amazing. From like four, three, two, five or something. Yeah. So it's like, I've got got that. I, I can't, I can't give that up. No. And, and it's like, why, unless the the environment changes, why would you, you know? And you know, my, even though I'm a real estate agent, I, I like to say to everyone, and I think it's important is hold on to real estate as long as you possibly can. And if you, you know, can hold on to something and then acquire something else, you're, you'll only be better off in Southern California. And I know as a real estate agent, I should be saying sell, 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 sell. But I think it's so important to build a portfolio and, and later on that can be, you know, a nice income generator for retirement or whatever else you might need too. Recently on the KTLA <laughs> weekend morning news, uh, you were at a tattoo parlor. Yes. And uh, is it Little Miss Disaster? I don't remember her, her name, but I, yes. I, I know it's Little Miss Disaster on Instagram. And we'll- Danny, we'll, we'll, yeah. Danny, yes. Uh, and of course, uh, good friends with uh, our good friend, Jim Lanahan, who is a huge yes. fan of the KTLA Weekend Morning News. They're but, both like super fans. Oh, they're, yeah. So it, they compete for how many stories each can post uh, on a weekend morning about you yes. and your crew. But you you were just at a tattoo parlor. Did did you actually get a tattoo yourself? And was that your first? I, you know, I have to, I have to confess that it was a fake. Oh, we were totally no. faking out. Kirk. Kirk, I saw the and hawk. It was, it was a hawk, so I came close. Okay. But um, I, I felt, I mean, I did, I have started thinking about getting one maybe, but it's so far off in the distant like future. <laughs> you that, say I don't that know. now, in, in three days, it's going to be like, I just got five. <laughs> right. Well, and that's what apparently five. happens. Oh, oh, it they, is. The, this, the this, guys was, were just... this was my first with my wife. We have matching heart tattoos. Oh, that's um, beautiful. And I think we got that like in 2010. And then it was, it was a few years before I got another one. And then boom, mic and headphones, boom, daughter's names, boom on my leg. Yeah, it just, it once you, once you pop, you can't stop. Once you pop, you can't stop. And you totally continued along the way. So there might be more? Oh, there will be, yes. I just don't know what nice. or where, but there will be, yes. For what sure. did you think of the sensation of actually getting it? Oh, it was fine. It was fine. It was fine. I, I was surprised at how little it hurt. Now, oh, okay. Now, granted, I'm on my forearms and and like a, a, a very uh, fatty, muscular area uh, on my calf. You know, uh-huh. I'm not getting like you know a chest piece where there's little to no fat or muscle because those are the ones that they say just. I mean, it's brutal. It's absolutely those hurt the most. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No, I, I can imagine. And I am a wuss when it comes to this kind of stuff. And I, I, that's one thing that I think I'd really have to, I'd have to work through. But how cool but, was it though? You know, you never know. Maybe, she's, I, oh. maybe I could get a hawk on my chest <laughs> or back or something. Yes, please do. I beg of you. I beg <laughs> of you. And it's gotta be, of course it's gotta be live. Now uh, this one actually, so the heart was not live on the air. But uh, the mic and headphones, the girls' names, and then the tattoo on my leg were all live in studio on the air. Oh, wow. At KFI. In yes. studio, too. Yes. With, with how, listeners. How chic they came to you. Yes. Yeah, I, 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 a listener friend 
uh, back in like 2011 or 12 was like, hey, if you ever want a tattoo, I can come to you guys in studio. I kept that in the back of my mind. We did fundraisers uh, where the listeners would donate like more than 500 bucks to come get a tattoo with me in studio. So it, wow. it works out. It works out. I mean, it's no KTLA Mike flag, but. Uh, I know that was incredible. How cool that was she that? Did that? Yeah. And that's it's, a and dedicated it's your fan. mic. It's your mic. It's not like yeah. just, oh, she just found it online or something like that. It's like, no, that's that's totally yours. Well, and, and I think the inspiration she found on Gene Kang's Instagram and cool. she searched all over and that was like the, the best one. And it's it's really cool because, I mean, she she would have gotten other tattoos anyway, but she had this amazing story about how she went through some health challenges and watching KTLA kind of helped her you know, move on through that, through those challenges and it made it a little bit easier. And so it, it's, it was really cool to kind of, you know, at least be there as part of the process as it's happening. And she's going, as she was, um, you know, making that permanent mark for her, her fandom. I want to be there at least in spirit or live streaming when you get that Hawk tattoo. Man. <laughs> you never know. There was at one point, I've thought about getting a kanji letter on my on my calf, uh, but I I forget why I backed away. But maybe kanji that's too trendy now, <laughs> or it's it's like a thing of the past that it would it was more in the early aughts. So I'll stay away from that. It was good to catch up, man. Good to get to know you a little bit. Thank thank you, thank you, thank you. Big fan of yours for many years. Appreciate it, man. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm honored, and yours as well. You can watch this episode on YouTube and DBNA TV. Follow the Aaron Bender podcast on your favorite platforms and link to it at AaronBender.com. That's also where you can find all my social media. If you have guest ideas or comments, email me AaronBenderMedia at gmail.com. Be well and thanks for listening.